We know it's becoming a little bit more globalized, um, and I think most of us recognize that there is that slowly changing ethos of instead of being teacher-centered, we are trying to introduce that more student-centered uh, approach to, uh, to teaching and learning. Um, we know in engineering as well, uh, um, in, our, in our sector, they're ever more demanding of our graduates' employability and their value, um, and the degree programs are perhaps there, there is this requirement to be explicitly addressed, not just technical knowledge and the development of it in our students, but also things like discipline, contextual knowledge, um, that's related to that, all the practical knowledge and those skills that come out of that, um, and as well as those, the, the attributes or the behaviours and the personal uh, and those personal and professional attributes that we would like to see in our graduates moving on into the sector. Industry requires uh, from as well uh, requirements here taken from some studies from the CBI as well as the Royal Academy of Engineering. We also have partners at McMaster University doing a lot in Canada in this area too, and 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 really trying to articulate that we know industry are asking for our graduates to have improved communication skills, project skills, team working skills, um, also to get them to enhance the appreciation for and the understanding of non-technical aspects of engineering um, so that they can embed those into their solutions and in their um, and and we also need to do this through innovation and innovation processes learning about context is tricky this is something that's come up a lot in, in how we now teach engineering we want our students to start thinking about stakeholders risk sustainability safety business acumen social desirability and the role, their roles in innovation. So we, we understand that from the industry. That, that, that's what they want in their graduates. And so what are, so then our 21st century graduates, those ones that are going out into the work, workplace, there's a call for them to be creative, innovation ready, entrepreneurial, critical thinkers, and socially responsible. Um, we want them to be not just problem solvers, Engineering is synonymous with problem solving, but we actually think, and we know our students are up for it, they are now, they're critical in identifying the problems um, as well as the, the um, how to uh, identify those and describe them um, and who's involved in them and whose problems they are. Um, so the required competencies um, often those that span across boundaries now not discipline specific um, they want we want graduates that are that have a specialism that have them depth and knowledge in an area uh, but also perhaps have more of um, uh, cultural frameworks within them that differ from their own and be able to work with those people um, so innovation in engineering we believe that curriculum innovation includes cross-disciplinary um, um, study and we do this by um, project and problem-based learning and that's what we will be talking about a lot in our in our uh, presentations today that includes group learning as well as how do we assess group learning um, and the two last ones particularly are you are, are really the focus for us we want there to be some authenticity in what the students do um, and we want there to be a match to perhaps what's happening in the workplace um, so, that it, it, so that our students recognize that it's not just an academic exercise, that it is something that's preparing them for the workplace. 
And particularly at UCL, we do have a new drive for research-based learning, not research-led learning, but allowing the students to do research in the work that they do, and that's through inquiry, inquiry and, and, and really trying to establish and develop those skills. And this innovation, curriculum innovation, needs to be supported by, and, and this is where we are fortunate at UCL to have much of this, but we have a group really engaged in engineering education research, and it has really, really influenced what we do and how we've developed over the years, um, and the community that we're involved with nationally and internationally in that aspect. Industry engagement is really important so that when the students push back and, and don't really quite understand um, you know, the new ways of learning or the new pedagogies, the industry are really coming back and saying this is authentic, this is something that perhaps you would, you would experience. And they do give us some of the content as well in the project. Connections to alumni, so getting the alumni, especially new graduates, to get a sense of what it's like in the real world and what that transition is like so that we can help the students start thinking about that while they're in learning. Um, the teaching spaces. We are completely changing the way we, we, we teach engineering and it does require expansive spaces. Lecture theatres are not really that useful to us anymore um, and you know that, that, that comes with quite a lot of the, uh, uh, of the delivery. So staff development and communities of practice. Because we are changing the way we are teaching, we've got, we've got people coming in that have pedagogy um, experience, different, different ways of learning, teaching and learning, but then we've got staff that are rather new and, and actually you know, they come in having t taught in a traditional way. So the communities of practice are really important to enthuse and, and, and build um, a camaraderie in terms of how to get through um, this change in teaching and develop some confidence in that together. So I liked these quotes a lot um, and, and, and I always keep them in the background of what I do but so the, in terms of what the, uh, the Royal Academy of Engineering have said in their report here, innovation education needs to be based on experiential learning um, techniques with teams of students addressing real challenges with business um, from business and the wide, wider society. So really bringing that authenticity into the curriculum and bringing, allowing the students to explore, perhaps even learning the theory. And I'll tell you a little bit more about how we do that. Um, and I really like that innovation is about open minds and multidisciplinary practice. Um, Atkins is a, is, a, is a lovely partner of ours and they've really kind of worked with us to, to help us do this. But through the IEP, I hope this is what we're, we're, we're achieving or striving for. My next slide is really just to articulate how we bring in authentic real world problem solving. Before I talk a little bit about what this means, for us, engineering is defined in a rather different way. We've asked a lot of people what, what, how they would define what engineering is. And for us, I mean, I've had the simplest um, you know, response back is engineers do stuff. You know, um, engineers problem solve, or engineers are creative, or they're innovative, or they make things. For us, it's a rather long definition, but we believe it's in the art and practice of changing the physical world for the benefit of all. 
And the reason why we like that definition is because it does draw in the practicalities that engineering you know, has as a discipline, but also the creative nature of it. And that's where a lot of the PBL comes out of it, and this, and this is an example of that. But also, PBL is a really great way of bringing in society and people and stakeholders. It's a really great way of introducing to the students that engineering impacts people and it creates change. You're not just making something, you're going to impact people. And we really like that definition. So coming back to this, this is a first year project. This was a first year project that um, we got groups of students to do. We got all the students to work on um, a PBL in their first five weeks of the course of their first year. And we put them together with a group, um, well, a smaller cohort of them, 70 of the 800, worked with this community in Peru. Um, and we know in this community there's about 40 huts, 200 people, lots of children. They've got no power. They completely live off of their resources. And we have a small group here called WindAid that go in and help them you know, use their natural environment to provide the power that they, that they require. And our students have helped them to scale that up. And they were first-year students. And really, all this group wanted was ideas. And we, you know, we allowed the students to take on board a, a real project with real people, put them in contact with real problems, and simply all we wanted, all the client wanted, was their ideas. It was a really great start for them on this course. So for us, engineering needs to be taught in context. And this is a really great slide to explain that because we know, and I tell the students this too in induction, that we know that they have solid understanding of physical sciences and the maths. They come to UCL with really great grades and they are very good students. And we know they're confident in the physical sciences and the maths. But we know that we will stretch them when we ask them about what context is. I mean, even if you say the word context, they don't know what that means. That in itself is something that they've never really come up upon. But if you break it down for them to start understanding, well, what are the risks of your designs? What are the ethical issues? Who, are, who is this going to impact? Is it, is, it, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What's the discussion around that? What are the social implications? Where do you see engineering around you that are changing the way people live or behave? How, how does your work contribute to that or how how will it environmental issues is always one the students go to first I think that's fairly natural for them to take on the environment before they take on the people um, and then the financial implications I think that's also a rather easy one for them to do they just need to understand techniques <coughs> to take it on board um, but really really emphasizing people and the social aspects of it is something that we want to stretch them on and we start from the first year and Whenever they do PBL, whenever they do something that's real in a project form, they're going to come up with solutions. And we want them to be sustainable. And we know that what helps them to do that is often what we call the design cycle. And we'll tell that a little bit to you in a bit. But we expect our engineers to have a sense of sustainability um, in all of their ideas and the solutions that they carry forward. One of the other things that we've embedded into this new program um, are our skills, so skills-based learning. And that's rather new. I know that when I talk to my colleagues about it at UCL, about how we actually teach the skills, there is a debate on how best to do that, how much time, whether we do it in a lecture theater, whether they do it in situ while they're doing a project. We know that these are the, some of the top skills 
that that industry are looking for. Um, if you look at um, some of the surveys that come out of the IET or out of the CBI, these are often quoted at the at the top. So communication skills, interpersonal skills, that is working with other people and teams. Obviously, organizational skills and enthusiasm and commitment. Sometimes that comes up before the, the technical knowledge or even the literacy or the math, mathematical literacy. And, and what I often get when I talk to industry is they like those students or those graduates that are rather resilient or that can start with the minimum. The ability to start with the minimum or what I call a blank sheet of paper. You will have that conversation with engineers. I just had this conversation at another conference a little while ago with an engineer that teaches design, and he said, the blank canvas is a, is a fallacy. And I, I would argue that it's not, because actually ideas down on paper, be, for our graduates to be able to be given minimum information, maybe a couple of uh, areas of direction and some, folk, some areas to go and, and um, do a bit of research on, and then come back with their own ideas and pay maybe a plan is something that is incredibly valuable. What I don't want the students to do, and this is what my, my colleague said to me that I, we had this quite intense conversation about, was, well, why aren't you looking at the weakest link? Why aren't you looking at the widget or the, you know, the, the weakest link of the, the operation and then engineer it backwards? And that's an approach, but I think the expansiveness of being able to start from a minimum, to start with that blank canvas, collect your requirements, collect your desirables, collect your constraints, understand the full problem, and then go forward is a much better technique. So I've yet to even tell you what the IEP is. That was a lot of the philosophy and perhaps the, the, the underpinning of it. The IEP, or the Integrated Engineering Program, is a teaching philosophy and in many ways it's also a teaching framework it's not a new degree i do have to say that it's not a degree that our students come into and graduate from at ucl our students come into um, programs that are discipline specific so they apply to chemical engineering biochemical engineering and they grad and they still graduate in that way what it does the iep provides connecting activities between the different disciplines that already exist for multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary learning. So that, that, that was one of our, our big aims and we'll show you how we've done that. A common curriculum structure, so there is a framework, there is a timetable, if you like, to bring this all together. And it, it really is to promote that practical application. So there's still quite a lot of core technical learning happen, happening in the programs. But what the IEP does is allow the students to apply the theory that they, that they learn as well as develop their, their skills, their individual skills or their transferable skills. And this happens all alongside their degree, or completely embedded. So it's, it's completely embedded in the BEng. We have a, a Bachelor of Science here because we have computer science as well in, in engineering at UCL or the MEng, which, whichever the degree the students choose. And I have to say, I even have to say this to my students, it's unique to UCL. Um, our students don't even realize that, that they're being taught differently. They know it's not what they expected, and perhaps some of their, their friends that have gone elsewhere, they, they truly do realize that something different is going on. But we have to remind them that it, it is, is, it is quite, quite unique. So this is the structure. It's rather overwhelming, so I'm going to walk you through it. To navigate the structure, 
vertically, those are our departments. Those pre-existed, and that's where the students belong. And that was really important for us because our students have an identity there to their departments. Our students apply to biochemical engineering, biomedical engineering, chemical, civil, electronic and electrical, mechanical, computer science and management science. And they come into their degrees with a passion for that, for that discipline. And so respecting that, our IEP just pulls them together and brings out um, the skills as well as the application. So in the first year, these, cr these are the activities, well, across all the four years, these are the activities that all their students um, complete. So in the first year, what we call are the challenges. They're multidisciplinary. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about them in my next slide. But that's a PBL course. That happens in the first 10 weeks of their first year. So in, fir in the ter first term from September to December. Alongside that, another course that they're involved in, or another module, is called Design Professional Skills. And that is the skills-based learning module, where we give them time to learn concepts in teamworking, concepts in critical thinking, concepts in creative thinking. We've got um, project management in there. We've got drawing in there. All of the skills, whether, whether they be um, soft skills or professional skills, or we even put the discipline technical skills in there. So they will learn also um, their discipline-specific software or introduce it to them. Okay. And then alongside that, they have their mathematical modeling and analysis. And we often don't say very much about this in the IEP, but we've just brought that together and taught it in a very different way. So all of our students across all of these, if you put all the departments together, it's about 800 students. So they come together and learn the theory, and then it's a very much applied maths course. So they have tutorials and workshops in their departments to apply, to understand how to apply, let's say, you know, matrices in a very mechanical engineering way, or in context of mechanical engineering, or let's say, um, electrical engineering. So it's very much applied, and it has those two aspects. And they use that in, in their challenges quite a lot. We, we ask them to, to bring that in. We introduced MATLAB from the first year, and that is very much where you, you could see in their projects, that's what they use. Next on this here are the scenarios. So scenarios are a key buzzword for us. They are one week intensive projects, and they happen when no other teaching uh, occurs. So the students work on a project, they are discipline specific, um, and they work on these, and they don't go to traditional classes. So there are a series of them. There are six of them. Um, and they start in the first year in the second term, in the spring term, and they continue on throughout the second year. The reason why it's green is because they are linked to the Design Professional Skills module. So Design Professional Skills has timetabled classes. They have four hours in the week to learn skills, and that's where we teach the skills. And then the scenarios is essentially the assessment. So in the scenarios, they are doing projects that obviously technically, technically uh, bound, um, but also we ask them to practice the skills, and there is an assessment on that too. So that's why they're linked. Even though the module happens in the first year, the scenarios continue on in the second year, as well as the module. That's why the green lines here. Other things that happen as well, so to cap off our PBL, if you'd like, is how to change the world. That's our capstone 
uh, PBL course. That is essentially the ninth project that they will have done in two years. So they've got two projects in the challenges, six scenarios, and then how to change the world. And how to change the world is much like a scenario, but it's two weeks, it's intensive, um, and it's interdisciplinary. So we bring our students back together to tackle uh, problems together. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Other things that are unique, we now offer a minor. I won't go into too much detail there, but we essentially looked at all the elective spaces that the students have in their degree programs, and we've created minor programs. And those are often either skills-based, so they can do a minor in programming, they can do a minor in languages, they can do uh, a minor in um, management, or they could be very either research-based or industry-based, so nanotechnology, environmental engineering, um, they've got um, connected systems, AI, all of these things that are very relevant and very interdisciplinary. So our students can choose the minor so that there aren't any prerequisites, and from across the faculty, they can go into that. So, that, so that's the IEP. We also now have or are offering those interdisciplinary third and fourth year projects. Okay. This is another way of looking at the IEP, and this is my hand-drawn um, sketch of how we kind of look at the IEP. So you'll see that the incoming student this year, this is the first year, this is the second year, and then the third year. Okay? And traditionally, the third year project stands here, um, and what we see is this spine of PBL, and this is the spine that... Um, that my colleagues Anne and Janet will talk about and, and much about this research study. We investigated what happened in the spine of, of PBL, so those nine opportunities for students to do projects, either discipline-based or interdisciplinary. And there are lots of little arrows happening because we know that there are discipline-specific technical core learning, which granted, this is not to scale, this is much more, that's you know, three quarters of their, their credits in their program are here, the maths is here, and now we have this design professional skills, you know, credit bearing modules that we want the students to practice and integrate and use within their projects. Okay. So, I don't often have to spell out what's on this um, slide. So what's different, some of the things are, there's quite a lot of authentic engineering workplace practices because there are several project opportunities. And the, because there are so many projects, we, we do allow them to, to progress in their skills, but also to really try um, and learn very different elements of, 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 or, or concepts. One of my colleagues in, in, in chemical engineering keeps saying to me, I really like the scenarios because in chemical engineering, safety is paramount. But it's such a dry subject to learn in a lecture theatre. You throw that into every project and they go beyond the learning that we've ever uh, had them do. Or sustainability. Those are some of the subjects that are just really hard to teach in, in the lectures are now being completely authentic. And, and actually, we address them the way the workplace would in these projects. Students get to learn together with different engineers right from the start with different disciplines. Um, they develop their skills, so we give them quite a lot of individual work to develop their skills um, so that they can turn um, their theoretical work into real solutions. 
and they practice those through the projects. Um, and there is quite a lot of you know, individual development and they pitch their ideas quite a lot. So we're always asking them to, to, to show us their ideas and we really think that this is about developing them um, for, you know, in their education but also for their future career. So the next couple of slides, I'm just going to go into the projects. What are, what are they like? So the buzzwords, as I said, they're the engineering challenges, which are two projects in the first term, and then the scenarios, which are the set six projects that go all the way to the second year. So the focus in these modules, or these activities, is really about application of skills through two, two ways. So design and the process of design, as well as research. So the, the, the process of research or inquiry-based learning. And what we have here, which is a rather simplistic way of, 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 of showing it, hopefully you've, this is not the first time you've heard of the design cycle or that you've, you've realized what, what, what these words mean. But it's a cyclical process. It often happens you know, in, in, in quite an iterative way. But we want our students to start learning about the problem. So who has a need and what is their brief? So what, what is it that the, these people are asking you to solve? And we get our students to articulate that. That's one of the first things that we get them to do is really break down a problem and, and give us their brief. And when they do that in very different ways for different projects. And then that conceive element, um, that's where their ideas come in. And sometimes in a project, that's where the project stops. All we want them to do is tell, them, tell us their ideas and maybe make a judgment of what idea is the best idea. So tell me why that's the best idea. Technically argue to me why you think that's the best idea. What are the trade-offs? How have you critically analyzed? Um, and how are you pitching your idea? Students don't like that, by the way. They don't like it when a project finishes at the ideation stage because it doesn't, it's not making, right? It's very hard for them to actually realize that they've done quite a lot of learning. Um, it is our, our most popular projects are when the students are actually getting their hands dirty, making and breaking. When it's really high level stuff, the learning is immense, but they just don't enjoy it as much, I guess you would say. So the next stage, I guess you would say, that testing, making and using is very much often where the projects lie. So we really want to stretch that upstream, you know, what's the problem? What are you meant to be doing? And then the downstream. So if you're going to make something, what's the action? What's the feedback? Is it, is it desirable? Do people want to use it? Is it technically feasible? Is it going to work? And is it viable? Is it a good business case? Those are three areas that we often ask them to, to focus on in terms of their, their learning and their, their, their feedback. So the pedagogy behind it, problem-based or project-based learning, and we'll talk a little bit about um, that. Um, just to, to give you an overview, problem base is very much that conceptualized, um, trying to break down the problem, going through the steps to be able to do that. Project base is much more about delivering something. And often the scope is quite narrow. But I know Anne could probably give a better definition than me. So we use both. Um, students learn technical content and develop their skills. These are the main things that are coming out of our observations, our students are telling us in their feedback. There's quite a lot of independent learning, creative and critical thinking. Our students are, 
you know, I've got, I've got quotes now of students saying, I enjoy the freedom in my learning. Um, so the teamwork and leadership comes out of that. The way we, leadership is not taught explicitly in our, in our curriculum, but it does come out of the teamwork because students naturally fall into these roles. So we know now the work that we're doing is supporting them in their uh, teamwork and in their, in, in when they take on the leadership roles. Communication is key, both you know, delivering their ideas, but also in, 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 internally within their teams. Um, and ethics and professional standards come out as well. They are always touching on those ideas, in many ways in context to their discipline, because there, there are um, some, critical, some critical paths there. So this is a typical scenario or the output of a typical scenario. So this example is um, from the mechanical engineering um, students, their, their scenario of for, for first year students. They take on the IMEC E challenge, if, uh, if you know what that is. So this was the IMEC E challenge for 2014-15. Uh, I think it was our first year that we, we ran it. Um, and and they, they do something quite unique. They use two scenarios to be able to do this. And Anne will talk a little bit more about that. But a scenario is, you know, in a week, a very tight scope and get them to produce something. Um, there are very different ways in how that happens in the department. Sometimes it's very, you know, building making. Um, in other, some other areas, sometimes it's very paper-based and sometimes um, it's lab-based. But this is something that we know our students can do in a week. <laughs> we really like this slide. Um, <laughs> we show it quite a lot. It's funny how some people really, um, you know, uh, the comments that I've had afterwards. This is a billboard that was at the Ove Arab exhibit at the VNA quite a way back, right? And I think you took it on accident. Like it was a, oh, that looks really good. <laughs> but actually, I think it's so, it, it, it communicates what happens in the real world and what we are trying to establish and doing in the challenges when we bring the disciplines together in the first term or the first 10 weeks of their, of their degree and in how to change the world. But we really are trying to have the students understand how civil engineers work in context with other engineers as well as those <coughs> from other disciplines, not, not, not just technical, right from the start. So just a little bit about how to change the world. How to change the world is rather different. Um, our students know it's different. They come into it um, knowing that the challenge is trying to understand what the social issues are. It's really about bringing about positive social change. We've aligned the projects. Um, so just to give you the details, we have 750 students at the end of their second year come together um, in five cohorts um, and they are broken down into teams. So the five cohorts all have a project or a challenge and they're associated with um, the sustainability um, goals, the UN sustainability goals. Um, so clean water and sanitation, affordable clean energy, industry and innovative infrastructure, sustainable cities and responsible consumption, so recycling. Um, the students get to choose the first and second choice and then we put them together in teams. The teams are about five to six students um, and they are completely interdisciplinary. And so what we give them, we have our challenge partners come in um, and they, they, 
we give them the challenge, but the challenge partners develop the challenge with us. And the challenge partners come in throughout the two weeks to kind of help them with understanding who their stakeholders are, what the social issues are, what the demographics of the people that have the problem. Um, and really, the projects are so, or the challenges are so wide, right? We really do say, you, you are going to tackle clean water and sanitation, let's say, in a city. You know, uh, we often have, we break down the two, the, each cohort into a developed country and a developing country so that they can address this issue in an area that they perhaps want to do a bit more investigation. Um, and really what the students do is take that wide problem, bring it down, really kind of narrow down the problem, really understand the brief and come up with a solution to a problem that they've articulated. Um, and, and so we ask them to understand social science research, right? We want them to look into <coughs> studies that have happened um, regarding these areas. We want them to talk to people that are not engineers that really know about the social problem. And we want them to come with their engineering expertise to say, I think engineering can help like this. Yeah, while after, whilst they're trying to understand what the problem actually is. So it's a very different approach. It's not technical. It's rather soft, as our students say. But in the end, their ideas actually do go into the depth that we, we let them. Some of them go into the higher levels, but the students that really take it on board come up with some rather fascinating solutions. Mm. Um, so these, the partners are important to us. We have engineering partners there, but we do have quite a lot of um, larger um, NGOs and, and corporations that, that, that help us uh, with that. And that's important because the students need to know that the, the, the issues are real. Um, and this is meant to come up in different ways, but at the end of it, they pitch their ideas. There's a dragon's den pitch of sorts where they come up with their, their solution to, to the problem. So in the two weeks, they understand the problem, articulate it, as well as come up with a solution. And we, we, there's quite a big showcase as well. So the, the challenges, I did promise that we talk a little bit about what were the challenges that came up when we were, we were putting this through and, and which are the ones that we're still kind of grappling with. The transition management. <laughs> so students are quite conservative. Um, they <coughs> arrive expecting to do more hard maths and do quizzes and exams on more maths and more hard equations and not do so much teamwork. We know this because in the first 10 weeks we meet them quite a lot. We talk a lot about teamwork and we ask them, you know, I bet you didn't expect to be doing this much. And they said, no, we don't really quite like it. It's really quite <laughs> difficult. And they don't want to say that in front of their friends, but we do do quite a lot of small facilitation um, and, and just to get them to start t talking about what their expectations were and perhaps how this is uh, rather different. Um, bridging that gap from school learning to that enabling of self-directed learning we think it's so important to sow that seed in the first year so that it is an expectation of learning going forward and having this spine of opportunity for them to do that is something that really sets them um, in, good, in, in good seed. The scale of which we undertook was quite enormous. I mean, a typical module that we talked about may have about 50 teaching staff. That's not including the teaching assistants. 
We have about 110 teaching assistants across the IEP, and there's, good, there's probably about 30 on each module. So it is a management of both the teaching um, as well as um, the delivery, the, te the, the teachers. Um, maintaining the same standards when we teach, so being in different classrooms but teaching the same thing, or assessment of, of all the work. Um, keeping up on the learning objectives is certainly something that our communities of practice have really, uh, really worked here. We do meet as communities um, and as teaching teams to make sure that we're all on the same page. And if there's something that happens that in a classroom that crops up, I mean, we've had academics make the decision on the spot and say, oh, that, you know, that deadline clashes with your exam in the other class. Oh, we'll just change it. Don't worry about the other 700 students on the class. <laughs> So a lot less of that is happening. And, you know, the issues in the classroom are coming into the, the teaching teams and we're discussing it uh, together. And we're learning, so it, it's happening less and less because we do have the 700 to 800 students each year. And space. So UCL is notorious for our state's issues. We are in central London. We just don't have the flat spaces that we require for this type of teaching. Um, so we know that it can impact, and I know that you'll be talking about that a little bit, about when we observe the students in this type of activity, it does impact the work that they do. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't do it. Yeah? It's just manage expectations. There's a diff there is certainly a management of resource and spaces, and our departments are really working with what they have and actually are, are quite successful at it for, for what it is. But we know through our observations that it does impact the work that they do. Impact. This is my last slide. So I'm very pleased to say that we've been awarded the Collaborative Award for Teaching by the HE Advance uh, Group, or formerly known as the HEA. It has rewarded our teaching team. This teaching team of about 200 to 300 staff and students um, across the faculty coming together to deliver this type of, of framework. We have been reported, so MIT did a, a report that's just recently been published um, on the, the emerging as well as the existing future leaders in engineering education. Um, and we've been very beneficial that UCL Engineering was both in the existing um, leaders, but the IEP explicitly, there's a case study in that report as being emerging future leaders. or. Um, a model for other institutions to, to take inspiration from and create change. Um, so that, that one is widely publicized now and I urge you to look at it because our IEP is fully investigated and articulated. We have IEP ambassadors now, so we have senior students coming in and helping the first year students. We know that through our observations of the, of the projects where we now have fourth year students coming in and supporting the teaching as well as the facilitation. We even have those fourth year students recognizing that when they were in first year, that that's exactly what they needed as well. But that in the first year, it wasn't possible to have the senior students come in at critical times to help them through their projects has been beneficial. And even the fourth years now recognize that they have a role to play, which is, which is really lovely. Um, and, and the departments, particularly those that are rather large, are using this to their benefit in terms of their strategy for teaching. Um, and, and like I said, we now have a faculty-wide community of practice, um, and the Centre for Engineering Education is one way of helping disseminate that, but also bring our, 
um, those that are really focused on teaching or have a passion for teaching um, to, to come together um, as, as a community of practice has, has been invaluable. Um, so that, that's it for me. Um, that, that's the end of my presentation. So, bang on time. Thank you so much.